Hello and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Ellie Betts, and occasionally my co-host Christina Adams when she's not being a hermit. We're currently on summer break, but we've put together some compilation episodes sharing some of our favourite clips from the last year of the podcast. This week, we're exploring how to deal with overwhelm. Thanks to our patrons for all of your support. Our patrons can listen to episodes early, suggest questions for our guests, and get access to our patron-exclusive bonus series, Healthy Habits, where we share the top tips to help you become your happiest, most productive, most creative selves. The series has helped our patrons to get more movement into their lives, solve plot problems, and find simple ways to add healthier foods into their diet. And these small changes can make a big difference to your writing. Want to find out what all the fuss is about? Head over to patreon.com forward slash writers mindset. What would be your advice to a newbie like me um, who's just starting out maybe because I know a lot of our listeners are in a similar boat to I am. So what would be your advice to someone in that position who is feeling a bit overwhelmed by the prospect of writing a series, even if that's what they're sure they want to do? Okay. Um, So firstly, I would suggest that you read a lot of series in your genre and just sort of keep your finger on the pulse as to the expectations of readers and the the market and all of that. So just have that sort of familiarity in mind. But when you are approaching a new series, I think I think even like seasoned authors get overwhelmed when they start from scratch again. So I would suggest just taking a deep breath, stepping back from it for a bit and sort of realising that a series doesn't come together all at once. It's not like you're going to sit down one day and have the perfect idea for the perfect series, perfect cast of characters and, you know, then you just get to sit down and write. That is not my experience and I don't don't think I know any author who's had that experience. So I think I sort of mentioned this before, but I would suggest focusing on one element at a time. Um, So whether it's developing your characters, whether it's developing your world and just sort of starting small and starting from there and then building outwards. My series come together very much layer by layer. Everything is very skeletal to begin with and very slowly brick by brick, I build the characters, the story, the world. And that's always easier to tell someone to do rather than do it yourself. I had this experience only recently when I've been starting to put together a new series myself and the thing that helped me the most was just focusing on the world and focusing on the map. Someone else might like to focus on the cast of characters and for me the world was the best place to start because epic fantasy, a a lot of my books have big quests in it. I needed to know where things were, where I wanted characters to go and once I sort of had a very, very um, basic map then I could start to figure out who was going where, why they were going, what was influencing them to go certain places. And it, and it just built outwards from there. So I think when you are feeling that sense of overwhelm, just to sort of bring yourself back and focus on one thing and just have the knowledge that it will come together a little bit by little bit and not all at once. Um, so, yeah. It's really hard, I think, though, sometimes, isn't it? That was the issue I had when I moved into fantasy, like, the world building aspect of it my head nearly exploded 
Yeah, it is intense. Like it's yeah. that whole uh, iceberg metaphor as well. You know, you only see the the tip of it poking out of the water, but what the yeah. work you've done underneath is just this huge mass. Um, and, you know, having to choose what to include and what not to include out of the work that you've done, um, there is like an element of, of decision fatigue and, and panic there. You want to be including the right things and making the world as rich as possible without you know, dumping it all on the reader. So there is um, there is definitely that aspect to it. Yeah, I, I had the opposite issue, which was that I tried to get away with not including the world building. <laughs> um, Ellie kept pushing me and going, how does this work? What does this look like? And I'm like, shut She's up. She's so mad. She's so mad. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had two out of three beta readers asking me the same questions, which is a sign I've got to fix it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to because I quit writing fantasy for a decade because I hated world building. <laughs> but you did such a good job, though. Like once you went through the process of actually working those things out and like you say, doing all the stuff that's under the water of the iceberg, it, it made it such a, a richer, a more rich such I can speak English, a, a, a nice rich world. Um, and it works really well now. Thank you. And, and it's funny because obviously I, I didn't like world building and then I realized I needed to put all the notes I'd got on various aspects aspects of it into like a document of some kind. And I decided mm-hmm. to sit down and do it during a writing sprint with my friend rather than like it, it, just because the accountability would mean either actually doing it rather than procrastinating on it. And I ended up enjoying it and doing it for an hour longer. <laughs> and like expanding on things that aren't going to be in the series for like several yeah. more books or even till the end of the series which is going to be about book 20 so <laughs> that was how far ahead my brain was thinking and how much I ended up enjoying it because I guess like it was an element of challenging myself and problem solving and I liked that aspect of it like trying to poke holes in things yeah definitely I think you touched on something really interesting there like keeping it all in a document um in my book, I've got a whole uh, chapter on keeping a series Bible, which is pretty much what you're describing. And when you are writing a series that is, say, 20 books long, but even if you're writing a duology or a trilogy, having all that information in the one place, it will save you so much heartache down the road. That is something I did not do with my first series. And by the time it got to book three, I really regretted that because it meant I was either going to have to read these 120,000 word books from start to finish, which when you've read them 18 million times, you don't want to read them again to find out the colour of someone's eyes in chapter seven, you know. Um, So keeping a series Bible like you've done is one of the, the best like strategic things I think a series writer can do. Yeah, and you in that chapter, I really enjoyed it because you mentioned some things I hadn't thought to include. So I need to go back through my notes from that chapter and add them into what I've got because a lot <laughs> of what I've got at the moment is mostly how different magical powers and creatures work. Um, yeah. And there was some other stuff that you mentioned. Like, yeah, I should include that. I didn't think of that. And there's quite a few there. I'm like, this goes back to the world building I was trying to get out of doing. <laughs> <laughs> but needs must. Like, I'm all for making our lives easier especially further down yeah. the road. And I think that was why, why I didn't want to do the world building was because it was easier in the present moment. But then I was talking to one of my author friends and she said, you know, you, you do this upfront now and you don't have to do it again. And my brain was like, okay, I'm, I'm sold. That's it. I'm sold just because, yeah. you know, don't have to think about it again. And then I'm not shooting myself in the foot when it comes to book four, book five, book six, when the powers are getting stronger and more complicated and there's more characters yeah. to juggle. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think um, like one of the things I sort of highlight in the book is that, you know, you don't necessarily need to sit down one day and write a series Bible before you, you know, write your book. What I do is I have an open document called the series Bible. And as I'm writing, while I'm making decisions, whether it's, you know, that someone's hair color or the type of magic that they have or the name of some mythical creature, I write those into the series Bible as I'm writing. So it's not like I have to come back later and pick things out and put it in or start the series Bible and, and write it from the beginning. It's, it's a living document. It grows as the book and the series grows. You know, it started out as a blank document. And now, like, for example, the series Bible for Curse of Siren Queen, I think it's about 65 pages long. Um, but that's, that's happened over you know, the last two years of, of creating that series. And not everybody needs to have a series Bible that long. Um, if you're writing something more contemporary, you might have, you know, the list of, of shops in a town or, you know, the, the family tree of the family that, you know, the, the book is exploring. It totally depends on what you're writing and, and how in-depth you want to go. But if you are writing a series, I think keeping a series Bible or something similar will definitely help you further down the line. The first thing I would suggest is that if you really are feeling overwhelmed, take a break, maybe a day or two, um, just to reset. Because overwhelm, if you let it fester, as we all know, it can quickly tend to burn out, which is not what any of us need, especially when we're using our brains all day to write words. So yeah, the first piece of advice I would say is definitely take a break, come back to it with a fresh head, and then read it through and you still think it's not as good as it could be or you're not hooking the reader or it's boring then I would say go and pull out five of your favorite books and read the starts of those books try and read with an eye to think well what is hooking me in why do I love this story so much see if that's something you can replicate and I will say not plagiarize please nobody wants any plagiarism um, but see if you can replicate kind of the tone of that beginning what is it that made you want to read on in the first place? And I find that if I, you know, we all do, we all get stuck. It doesn't matter how many novels you've written, how many, um, how many books you've got out there and published, you will get stuck at some point. And I think the key thing is just to lean into whatever in those favorite books of yours makes you want to read and see if you can replicate it. And you'll often find that as you're reading these novels, ideas spark in your head anyway so I'd say start with that go back to it and then see if you can gradually layer in even three of the hooks you know don't tackle all nine at once but do it in stages so maybe tackle the first three have a break again if you need to come back tackle the next three have a break again if you need to come back because it's a horrible feeling knowing that something's not working but you don't quite know what it is but I do think that if you go away and you analyse what you love best about the books you read, it can work with movies too. If there's a particular movie that you love or a TV show, go and watch the first episode or the first 10 minutes and try and work out what it is that's hooking you in. I would tell them just to do the first thing. Just that's it. And whenever you're overwhelmed with anything, that's just do the next thing on the list. So the things that you need to create a decent reader magnet are you have to have an idea, ideally that relates to your series. So stop, sit down, the series that you decided, we talked about that a little bit ago, the most popular one, the least popular one, the next one, whatever, whatever series you decided you're going to do your cookie for, sit down, 
read the first book of that series. Usually the first book is the place you want to get the idea because you want to be able to offer the cookie right after the first book. So something that happened in the first book, somebody that was inter introduced, something that was referenced, the thing you said about how you often mention the mom getting outed, but that story isn't in the book. That's perfect. How much time would you recommend they need to start setting aside per day or per, or per week just to get into that? Not necessarily as a permanent, um, this is how much you need per day forever, just to sort of start getting into it and getting used to it and maybe start building up that business. How much time? I think one way to think about that is when you're starting something new, as we've said before, you have to carve out the time. But carve out smaller times. I'm really focused or really big on what I would refer to as micro steps. So think about the small step that you can you can take. So if you're doing a writing, um, you might say, okay, there's working in the business and working on the business. So do I want to work in it where I'm writing something? Um, I'm writing a book. Let's say it's a fiction or nonfiction. Do I want to work on actually writing the story or do I want to take that five minutes and work on it by focusing on the materials that I need, the research that I have to do, the marketing or strategy that I want to come up with. So you divide your time into something that is smaller, and that could be five minutes of direct writing or five minutes of doing research. So I'm kind of, well, I'm sitting at my computer, I'm researching this. Let me take my five minutes here and research for my writing what I'm working on, or I'm I've carved out my time on my lunch. That's my time for writing or editing or creating the outline or whatever the focus is. I love that. That's how I got through my first book when I had a day job. I would get home, have dinner with my boyfriend, and then my goal was to write a thousand words a day. That was it because I knew I could do that in about half an hour, an hour. And I ended up in most days writing more than that, but breaking it down into something I knew I could do made it a lot easier and a lot less intimidating as well. And then what I tend to do with editing is I will aim to edit a chapter a day. And usually the first chapter I have to do um, gets me over that initial barrier of, oh my God, I've got to edit a whole book. So then I end up doing two or three chapters, maybe five, sometimes even 10, particularly on the weekend. And sometimes those micro steps just help you to get over that feeling of, overwhelm and having a gazillion and one things to do if you just make that small step that mini sized step sometimes that's all you need to realize yeah you can do a lot more and you look back and suddenly an hour's gone and you've got a load done and maybe you've earned some time off or you've got some time back for tomorrow because you're more productive today i think we should stop saying micro steps now and i'll just refer to them as milli steps <laughs> I should point out is Millie does not like walking. She's an incredibly lazy dog, <laughs> which is another reason I say that she's part cat. So the fact that it's a Millie step is even more relevant because she doesn't want to do the thing that she has to do that's good for her health. And she also has a complex about even leaving the sofa to go to the toilet. So yeah, she's a very lazy dog. So Millie steps is poignant on multiple levels. So how has your process changed then from like idea? to published book how has your idea changed um in terms of not only speed and efficiency but also maintaining a balance between writing and, like self-care time and free time and stuff after you started outlining 
Oh, huge change. A massive. My first two books each took me two years to write. And partly that's because I was new to writing books. You know, like there are lots of smaller skills that you have to juggle when you're writing a book. You've got to figure out how to write dialogue that feels natural, but doesn't actually read the way people really speak because that's hard to read. And you have to figure out how to show characterization without telling it. And you have to figure out how to put in just enough detail without going overboard. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, But so, you know, partly that two year time span for each of those books was because I was new to all those skills, but mostly the increase in speed, I think came because I wasn't screwing around anymore. (laughs) You know, I knew exactly what needed to happen next and why it needed to happen. So I could just blast through a story with minimal wasted time. So I went from those first two books taking two years each to write, but my third book only took six months because that was when I started outlining. And then my fourth book was like about four or five months. And now I'm at the point where I can turn out a really clean manuscript that needs minimal editing um, for a long book. Like I'm, I'm kind of known for writing big fat doorstoppers so I can write about 185,000 words in 10 weeks. So no trouble on that. <laughs> now, granted, I'm writing full time now. So I have a little more time each day to devote to writing. But if I were still working at a day job, it would probably be around like 15 weeks. That's still really fast. That's still several good books written per year. Absolutely. Do you you yourself make time for sort of self-care and things like that? Do you try and maintain that balance between, especially when you're writing full time, do you do anything to make time for writing? Sorry, not make time for writing. (laughs) Make time for yourself and make time for doing, you know, extra things aside from writing. Yeah, I do. Uh, I walk five miles a day, which is like not only to try to keep my blood pressure (laughs) down, (laughs) but also just like mental health. Like I need to get out and move around a lot. Um, And I spend a lot of time in my garden. So I do, I, I specifically, like I only write for about four hours a day, even though, you know, in theory I could write for 20 hours a day if I wanted to, (laughs) but I, I stop myself at about four hours. um, And then I just get outside and do something else. Cause yeah, I think it's important to to have that balance when you're a full-time writer. And God, I remember how hard it was back when I had day jobs, plural, (laughs) and I was writing on the side. It was just like, I never stopped working. Basically, I would work all day at my job. I would come home and write at night until it was time for bed. I would sleep for a few hours, (laughs) would get up and do it all again. And on the weekends, I wrote all weekend long. Um, And it was tough. It was really stressful. That puts a huge strain on you. And and it's really difficult on your creativity too. Like it saps that from you. Um, And it's a struggle to like maintain creativity and maintain, um, you know, some artfulness to your work when when it feels like a grind. So I'm really grateful that now I've finally reached the point in my career where I can just write for four hours a day and then the rest of the day do something that's not writing. It's good. That sounds like an absolute dream, to be honest with you. (laughs) It is. It's great. I'm not going to lie. It was a real hard struggle to get there. So to all of you out there listening, it's worth the struggle. Keep going. If you found this compilation interesting or helpful, make sure you subscribe to The Writer's Mindset on YouTube and or on your favorite podcast platform or all of them if you're feeling generous. Everything from a like to a rating to a review to a subscribe to shouting about us on social media helps us to reach more writers so that they can overcome their mindset issues that are holding them back from their writing too. Have a great summer and we'll see you soon. Keep writing.